0: Welcome to Upstanders, stories of extraordinary citizenship in unexpected places. I'm Rajiv Chandrasekharan. Today, we're going to meet Destiny Watford. She was just a 17-year-old high school senior when she found out that the nation's largest trash-burning incinerator was going to be built less than a mile away from her home and school, already a polluted area. This was something that she couldn't stand by and let happen. But before we hear that, I'd like to introduce you to Howard Schultz. He is the chairman and CEO of Starbucks. We sat down together to talk about how destiny changed everything. Howard, the story we're sharing on this episode of Upstanders, it's set in a neighborhood of Baltimore called Curtis Bay. It's a poor community, got a lot of boarded-up row houses. But this community has something else. You see this sea of industry. You see giant oil storage cylinders. You see big mountains of coal waiting to be transferred onto ships. You see the city's wastewater treatment plant. And you left wondering, how can people live amidst all of this industry? People smack dab up against polluting industry.
1: I think we should be clear that I think there are many cities and communities across the country where there is a healthy balance of residential and commercial activities. The question in this case is, how could a situation occur in which there was such latent violation of really basic human rights that industry decided this is a place we could do our thing, and as a result of that, people would not have a voice, no one would know, no one would care, Let's call it spade a spade, they were just taken advantage of until Destiny. Yeah, this story that
0: we're about to hear isn't really a story about the science of incinerators. It's not a story about how air pollution works. It's a story of the failure of leadership and the story of remarkable leadership from one woman. So here's Sujin Pak with the amazing story of Destiny Watford.
2: Three years ago, Destiny Watford caught wind of some big news. The country's largest trash incinerator was about to be built less than a mile from her home. But for her, this didn't seem like a big deal. In fact, it was the norm. I knew that the industry was there,
3: but because it was a part of my everyday reality,
2: it wasn't really something that I questioned until I got into high school. Destiny lives in Curtis Bay, a racially diverse neighborhood on Baltimore's south side. It's also an environmental dumping ground. You'll find things like coal export terminals
3: and car imports and the nation's largest medical
2: waste incinerator. Back then, she was a senior at nearby Benjamin Franklin High School. She decided to research the incinerator project and rallied her classmates to dig deeper. What they found was shocking. For the incinerator to even
3: function, it needed to burn 4,000 tons of trash every day. It was permitted, that means it's legally allowed, to release 240 pounds of mercury every year and 1,000 pounds of lead.
2: State and local political leaders threw their weight behind the incinerator project. They touted it as a job-creating green power initiative. The incinerator would have been
3: burning trash to produce energy.
2: And that was thought to be a good thing. But Destiny was skeptical. How could a facility that was burning tons of garbage so close to home be a cause for celebration? The reason why all these polluting industries are built in Curtis Bay is
3: it's because we're poor. It's because technically we're viewed as being invisible. Destiny couldn't stay silent any longer. We really had to raise our voices, so to speak. And say, no, actually, we're here, we
2: exist, and we demand to have clean air. Spurred into action, Destiny sought out other concerned students who couldn't just sit by. They met after school and went door-to-door educating their neighbors. Soon they caught the attention of Greg Sawtell. Greg is an organizer with United Workers, a human rights group that rallies the Baltimore community to push for living wages, affordable housing, and government accountability. He says the students inspired him.
0: You know, what I've learned from the the youth leadership is a lesson in courage and questioning what we see on a daily basis and not being held back by what seems like a done deal.
2: They called themselves Free Your Voice, the strategy to show that Curtis Bay was already suffering due to all the industry that historically surrounds them. They wanted to gather data about the extent of the damage, so they started with a health survey of their own classmates.
0: We'd get responses that were really shocking. So out of a class of 30 students, all 30 would raise their hand when asked if they had asthma.
2: The team scoured public documents for information on Curtis Bay's pollution problem. They discovered that in 2007 and 2008, they had the worst air pollution rating in the country.
3: Just because we live here and go to school here, we're more likely to die of lung cancer
2: and respiratory disease and to suffer from asthma. Armed with this information, the students began to speak out, their way. We weren't lobbyists or
3: politicians or lawyers, you know, we were a group of students. And with that said, we didn't have tons of skills, so we had to rely on the ones that we did have. And the truth is that we were artists. You know, we were poets and writers and musicians,
2: and so we used our art to tell our story. They created a series of short videos to make people aware of what was going on. Curtis
3: Bay is my home, and it means a lot to me. The incinerator would be less than a mile
1: from Benjamin Franklin High School. Who's
0: city? Our Our city. city.
2: At first, they struggled to get people to listen. Politicians ignored them, and older residents were jaded by the status quo. We heard about the incinerator, and we said, What's one more? Amanda Maminsky also lives in Curtis Bay. When Destiny and the Free Your Voice kids started going door to door and knocking, our first instinct was to tell them it's pointless. You're not going to change anything. But she says the student's hard work converted many people like herself to the cause. They decided to think outside the box and say, even if it can't be done, it should be done. Destiny and the other students searched through public documents for a list of government entities that had agreed to purchase electricity from the incinerator. One entry on that list? Baltimore City Public Schools. When we learned that the schools would be buying energy from
3: the incinerator, we were outraged. You know, the very system that's enlightening
2: us would have been buying energy from something that would have been hurting us. But Destiny also saw an opportunity. What if, she wondered, they could convince the school board to change its mind? In 2014, the Free Your Voice group came to the school board and Destiny was the lead spokesperson. That's Cheryl Kashani. She's on the Baltimore City Board of School Commissioners. She says the board members were impressed by the students' passion and creativity. The students wrote and performed original songs and poems, criticizing the project. But they were most impressed with Destiny, who delivered a candid and impassioned speech, She said,
3: We are here tonight to talk about choices.
2: Destiny didn't pull any punches.
3: Is it fair to build the nation's largest incinerator in a community with the highest level of toxic air emissions in the state? Is it fair to have your life cut short because of where you're born? We say that it's not fair, that it's not right.
2: At the end of their presentation, the board gave the students a standing ovation. Afterwards, Cheryl says Destiny asked the board to do two things. One, would you take a fresh look at the energy purchase contract that you signed? And the second thing they said was, would you will you come to visit? The school board agreed. On the tour, the students shared their findings. They had all their facts about the mercury and other other pollutants. Their research also uncovered a major oversight in the city's initial evaluation no one had taken into account the existing pollution in Curtis Bay. There was nobody doing the math. So plant A is putting in so many pounds of mercury, plant B, plant C, plant D, it's a math problem. But each individual plant doesn't have to do the math. So the kids were doing the math. So that was a big aha moment for me. It's like, this is not a community that should bear this burden again. A few weeks later, the board canceled their energy contract. They would not be purchasing any power from the incinerator. Here's Greg Sawtell again.
1: And so that was the first domino that
0: then led to successively the other 21 public entities uh, breaking their
2: contracts. The incinerator project was down but not out. In spite of the lost contracts, the company still planned to finish the incinerator. By now, Destiny was a sophomore in college, but she led a team of high school students and environmental activists on an even more thorough search through public documents. Digging deeper into the project, they made another key discovery. So we learned that the
3: incinerator's permit had expired. So this was a huge opportunity for us because with an expired permit, you can't construct.
2: The group presented its case to Maryland's Department of the Environment, also known as MDE. This was the government entity with the power to stop the project for good. So we sent letters from
3: medical experts and doctors and environmental experts to the MDE talking about the significance of the incinerator and the burden that it would bring to Curtis Bay as far as pollution is concerned. We've sent A signed petition with thousands of signatures. How did the state react? Silence.
2: That is absolutely unacceptable. After six months, the community's patients ran out. Hundreds of them caravaned to MDE headquarters to hand deliver petitions and protest. (laughs) this past March, the department made a decision. The state of Maryland declared
3: that the incinerator's permits were expired and they could not
2: construct. Destiny says the fight to protect the residents of Curtis Bay extends beyond this one project. You know, the incinerator was stopped, but it's just the first step. Today, she's part of a movement to build a solar-powered community farm on the site where the incinerator would have been. Destiny says Free Your Voice's greatest achievement is that their neighbors can finally take an active role in what goes on in their own backyard. So often, decisions
3: about what will happen to Curtis Bay has been left in the hands of People that don't live there or people that don't recognize what people are going through and struggling and no one knows your story or your community better than you do. Well,
1: thank God for destiny. It was her destiny to create the kind of power and collective voices of her community to basically rise up against all of the powers to be that dwarfed her. This is a story of David and Goliath.
0: And she didn't just take on the company. She didn't just take on the government. It was also all the residents there, right? The older residents were all apathetic. They're like, oh, they've been doing this forever. And she says...
1: She said enough. You know, we're not going to take it anymore. Uh, She had to educate the community about what was going on. They didn't really understand. What does an incinerator really do? The people
0: who are supposed to be looking out for the disadvantaged in our society, elected leaders, state regulators, city leaders, the state government decided to classify this trash-burning incinerator as tier one renewable energy, putting it on par with solar and wind. How is that possible? It's not even conceivable. These are the people who are supposed to be looking out for their citizens and instead... We're creating these legislative exceptions and workarounds to advantage a company over the very residents of the city of
1: Baltimore. If it wasn't for one person, one ordinary citizen who decided to do an extraordinary thing.
0: Want to see Destiny and her crew in action? Go to Starbucks.com Upstanders to see the video. If this is your first time listening... We've heard some incredible stories this season, like Sue who's reforming how police are trained, or Lloyd Pendleton, who's changing how cities look at homelessness. If you haven't heard those, go back and check out our earlier episodes. On the next episode, we'll take you to Newark, New Jersey, to meet Robert Clark. He's working with young people who were written off by society, helping them get jobs and rebuild homes in their community. That's next time on Upstanders. Sujin Park narrated our story. Casey Holford composed our music. This is a Starbucks original series produced by Panoply with Fanny Cohen, Andrew Chugg, Margaret Kelly, Whitney Donaldson, Jordan Bell, Anne Hepperman, and Rob Hebert. I'm Rajiv Chandrasekran. Thanks for listening